incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast, episode 9. Coincidence? I think not. I'm your host Alberto Calderon and I thank you for taking your time and joining us today on another episode talking Star Wars. As I've mentioned before, you can listen to this podcast through Anchor.fm or on Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast or your favorite podcast listening station. Also a reminder that we now have our own YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and just search for Radio Rebellion Star Wars Shorts, you'll be able to find, I believe we have about nine short videos right now. Before we start, I just want to take a quick moment to talk about these uncertain times that we're going through right now with the coronavirus out there. This is something to take serious, while at the same time not causing any added panic anything that might add to mass hysteria. Uh, Like I mentioned, we have to take it serious. So if you don't need to go to crowded places, you don't need to go outside, you can stay home. Uh, There's plenty of things as Star Wars fans that we can be doing right now. Go and support your favorite podcast channel. We have movies, we have the Clone Wars, we have a lot of stuff we can do. So if you can stay inside, then go ahead and do it. But if you have to go out, just follow common sense practices uh, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, don't go nuts buying toilet paper. If you need some and you go out to the store and there's only two packages left, just grab one, don't grab both, just in case that person coming behind you really needs it. So yes, take it serious. This doesn't, doesn't pick by political affiliation or race or gender or anything like that. So yeah, we have to take any health concerns seriously, but at the same time, not add to the panic that might be out there. So stay safe and let's talk some Star Wars. Star Wars news. Our first news from the core is a really cool one as we have a little bit more information about the High Republic. Author Justina Ireland spoke with Polygon.com about... Don't need to keep saying .com. I think we all know that all these stories are online. Uh, If it's something print, then I will specify this on a print version, but right now everything's online, so I I guess I can stop saying it's from a.com. So let's try this again. Author Justina Ireland spoke with Polygon about the High Republic and her book, A Test of Courage, which is set to debut later this summer. She says, I'm always interested in the past and what happened before to make things the way they are in the modern era. She talks about thinking, what haven't we seen before? What haven't we talked about when referring to all of the current Star Wars canon? She reaffirms that the High Republic is completely separate, completely standalone, and not connected to the Skywalker saga. They are telling a completely new story and how exciting that is for the writers. She also mentions about getting in the mindset of writing for a big franchise like Star Wars and a fandom that is already pretty crowded and being like, well, how do I do this? But then also as a creator, just going, okay, let's see how people react to this thing. I'm sure this is difficult. It's a difficult balance to find for the writers. What do the fans want to read, want to read about? But then as creators wanting to tell their own stories. And of course, we've seen in recent years how vocal and sometimes toxic the Star Wars fans can be if they don't agree with certain choices made by writers or directors. I'm sure this is a heavy task that they're facing. We will also see that Jedi being awesome 
and confident in their role in the galaxy and in the way that they know that they're doing the right thing. While the storytellers, storytellers will delve into, quote, what does it mean to be good? What does it mean to do the right thing? Unquote. Uh, this kind of goes back to Phantom Menace and Qui-Gon saving Anakin from slavery, but having to leave me and all the other slaves behind. So how do you balance what's good, what's right, when you still can kind of act fully on what you think should be should be done? Justina Ireland also mentions, again, the comparison of the High Republic to Camelot, but not only to King Arthur's Camelot, but the Camelot of the 1960s and the Kennedys. That as a whole, it seemed like things were great, but there were still pockets of people or factions out there that didn't feel that way and were unhappy with what was going on. We learned that although Test of Courage is the second book to come out regarding this new era, with Charles Soule's Light of the Republic leading the debut, Ireland says that they take place during the same time period, but that Soule's book covers a longer time period as her story takes place over a couple of weeks, but runs in concert with Light of the Republic. She praises the Star Wars story group and compares them to an encyclopedia. So sorry, Wikipedia, you've been officially replaced. A test of courage will touch upon the concept of found family. Where do we fit in in this big big galaxy while still being just a kid? Uh, Found family is a thing that has been touched touched up in Star Wars in recent years from obviously Rey in the sequel trilogy and with Ezra in the in Star Wars Rebel and joining the Ghost Crew. A bit more information is given about the main character of A Test of Courage, Vernestra Rowe. We know that she's 16 years old, and we now learn that she's already a full Jedi, not a Padawan like most students her age. She's considered a bit of a prodigy, being the youngest Jedi Knight. Uh, comes with its own challenges, and it's something that she must deal with. She has to find a way to act like an adult, because she is a Jedi Knight, but in essence, she's still a kid, and how does she deal with this balance? Uh, When Justina Ireland is asked about working with and developing concept art, she mentions that since this is a time of peace, that we won't see the dingy, broken-down ships we're used to in Star Wars, but more sleek and shiny which to me kind of means more prequel-like. But also in the Jedi clothes, we, they will not be wearing the monk robes that we see Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn wearing during the prequels. They now have nice outfits, cream colors that do not lend themselves to getting dirty. Uh, when talking about the Nile, which we know are the villains of this story, she refers to them as space pirates, marauders, that are just out there wrecking havoc in different parts of the galaxy. This helps tell smaller stories instead of having a big bad like the Empire or the First Order. So instead of focusing on the kind of big picture of the galaxy of the galactic civil civil war or the the New Republic against the First Order, it's just kind of smaller stories, smaller villains that for once our heroes won't have to kind of forget about their own personal issues and troubles and I'm focusing on the bigger galaxy, they can now focus on this smaller story that affect individual characters and that's a good change for Star Wars. So it might not necessarily be, again, big battles between the light side and the dark side. It's literally about survival. 
How do we survive in a world where people are going to shut up? Sorry, let me read this quote again from her. How do we survive in a world where people are going to show up and basically F fishes up? Talking about the Nile. So yeah, this interview with Polygon, Justina Ireland gives us a little bit more insight into the New Republic. Sorry, the High Republic, which is still scheduled to come out late summer, I believe late mid to late mid to late August. And I can't wait to get these books and start going through them. Our second news from the core is going to be updated because it's the Rise of Skywalker behind the scenes from the documentary. A few snippets start showing up this week, but with all the issues going around, we were treated to a little treat, I guess, with the early release of the whole movie on digital, which came out, I believe, late on Friday. We didn't have to wait till Tuesday. But I haven't seen the documentary yet. I did see the movie, of course. But we'll talk more about the documentary next week on our next week's show. But some of the things, that some of those snippets that were shown were Warwick Davis and his son uh, portraying Ewoks, the VFX for the battle over Exegol and how they created or recreated all those Republic ships that came in, Adam Driver's stunt training, and a blooper reel with Domhau Gleeson among many, many other special special that came with this movie, the documentary, and just special scenes. Our third and last news from the core is the return of Galaxies, Galaxy of Adventures shorts on YouTube. Galaxy of Adventures returning with its second season. And this show has been a great way for kids and younger, younger audiences to get invested in Star Wars as they retell certain scenes we've experienced before in the movies. Uh, the first three episodes of season two just came out earlier this week, and they go over moments from the sequel trilogy. The first one is Rey and Friends versus the First Order, which is basically the speeder chase from Pasana, but happening on Starkiller Base, which is kind of weird, but that's fine. Uh, we also have Kylo Ren and Darth Vader, a legacy of power, which we have Kylo and Vader's most epic battles and how the two of them mirror each other. And the third one, which is out right now, is called The Force Calls to Rey. And it's Rey embr embracing her destiny as a Jedi. Uh, they are an easy watch as they're about one minute to one and a half minutes long and are fun enough for the whole family. Uh, even though the first three kind of just touch upon the sequel trilogy, we know that there are also going to be more episodes going with the prequels, the original trilogy, and I'm sure some of the animated shows. So that's it for our news from the core. And now let's go and do a quick review of episode four of The Clone Wars. The Clone Wars review. So the Clone Wars season seven, episode four, Unfinished Business, which is the last episode of the Bad Batch arc. Here we have Mace Windu, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Rex, and Echo forming a two-stage plan to attack the Separatists on an access but the Bad Batch troopers are a bit wary of Echo and where his allegiances lie, and if he's really fully back on their side of not, or not. Uh, quick side note again, where is Commander Cody? We saw him in episode one. Okay, he got crushed by a, by a transport ship, but there hasn't been any mention of him. He hasn't shown up. I thought they might do a little bit more with Cody this time around, but so far, not really. 
So what's the plan? The plan is for Jedi, Mace Windu, and Obi-Wan to lead a group of clone troopers to retake the assembly plant on an access, while Anakin, Rex, Echo, and the Bad Batch go to Admiral Trench's communication vault on a separatist dreadnought so that Echo can feed Trench bad intel. Uh, we have some cool ship designs in a few Republic Corvettes, and a shuttle that looks very similar to the one used by the Emperor during Revenge of the Sith when he goes to Mustafar in search of Vader. Uh, the Separatist blockade over an access is also pretty impressive, impressive to see in animation. Um, maybe between seven and ten ships is not that big kind of blockade, but the design and the color scheme against the, the background of space was pretty cool. So once Echo plugs into the controls on the transport, he sends a signal to the separate separatist ship, and they're allowed to approach and they make their way their way inside the, the dreadnought. I had a little bit of an not an issue, but kind of like really? Was it that easy? So of course the separatists are kind of just filled with droids kind of manning the controls. So I understand why they don't use reason. Well, basically on their screen, they have the the outline of the transport that they're coming in, which is, they even said this isn't one of our ships. But once they receive the signal from Echo, it changes to a different ship on the screen. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's one of us Let him through. So I don't know why they didn't kind of see the change and make a bigger deal about it. But again, these are B1 droids. They're not the smartest, smartest, smartest bunch around. Okay, so then back on Anaxes, on the Anaxes shipyard, we get Vulture droids, which we haven't seen in a while, and the Republic gunships. Uh, we have Mace Window telling Gold Leader that he's ready for lunch, and we get a squadron of Y-Wings to join the fight. And the shot of the Y-Wings attacking that dome center in the middle of the shipyard was one of the best-looking shots of the season, for me at least, so far. Uh, the team on the Dreadnought reaches the communication vault, and Echo, now with his kind of mechanical arm, plugs into it at the same time that Trench is asking for a new battle strategy from the algorithm to kind of anticipate the Jedi attack plan. But Echo intercepts the signal and sends back a, a different battle strategy that will backfire on Trench. Uh, Mace and Obi-Wan enter the assembly complex and Windu tries to intimidate the droids into surrendering by telling them he's dismantled and destroyed over 1,000 B1 battle droids. Uh, he wants to reprogram them so they can serve a better purpose. But again, these being battle droids, they don't take too kindly to that, and they, as expected, just start shooting back at them. Uh, the algorithm that Echo gives Trench is, send, is to send all the battle droids to the assembly complex, but once they're there, Echo plans on sending a pulse signal to shut them all down. And we will get clone troopers with jetpacks. Seeing this design, clone troopers, Mandalorians, anything, stormtroopers later or first order troopers with jetpack is always pretty cool. And probably something that will add to the people that say having first order troopers with jetpacks, they fly now during re Rise of Skywalker wasn't that big of a deal since they had them all the way back during the Clone Wars. To me, as long as someone has a jetpack, it just looks cool, so I'm fine with it. All right, so back to this. Uh, once Echo shuts down all of the droids on the plant, 
Trench and his, I guess, assassin droid figure out that the signal originated from the same ship. And then Trench kind of said that he doesn't just rely on algorithms. He has his own backup plan, which is to activate a bomb he has planted on an axis. Echo hears this, that there's a bomb, and instead of disconnecting from the console, he stays connected to try and dismantle it. And now the team kind of starts breaking up a little bit. Anakin goes to find Trench in case they can kind of stop the bomb themselves. And then Windu goes further down on the factory to try and find the bomb. But he needs the codes from Echo to dismantle it. Oh, sorry, something fell. And then my dog started barking, so hopefully everything is all right. Uh, so, so before the last number in the sequence is sent to Mace Window, Trench sends a power surge through the console that basically fries Echo, and he has to be disconnected before the final number is sent. Anakin forces Trench to give up the last number by cutting off three of his spider limbs. And when Trench says that Anakin won't kill him because the Jedi nobility forbades it, Anakin says he doesn't have such weaknesses, and after Trench elect electrocutes him a little bit with his staff, Anakin just throws his lightsaber through Trench's chest. Uh, the music score during this scene helps accentuate another instance of Anakin slowly fading to the dark side. And before leaving the ship, Wrecker and Crosser have a friendly competition of who could destroy the most droid which is very reminiscent of Legolas and Gimli trying to kill the most orcs. Then at the end, we're back on an access with everyone, and the Bad Batch tells Echo that now his path is different from before, and it's more like theirs. And Rex tells Echo that if he feels he belongs with them, instead to go ahead and join them. And we get a, a pretty emotional send-off with Echo joining the Bad Batch, and all of them saluting Rex before they get into their ship and leave. So some of the things I liked about this final episode arc was the ship battle with the Republic forces going against the Separatist droid ships. It was one of my favorites of this episode. And seeing Anakin taking another step, step towards the dark side is weirdly enough entertaining. But it also shows how close he is to falling off the Jedi teachings and just basing his decisions on pure emotion with anger and hate rising pretty quickly in those lists of emotions. And of course, the emotional ending at the end was pretty good. Some things I didn't like too much were that apart from the beginning, when I wasn't sure if Echo was going to go back to the Separatist control when he initially plugged into their system, the episode was pretty much low stakes because we are so close now to episode three of Revenge of the Sith. And we know that nothing really is going to happen to Mace or Obi-Wan with the events of the movie being so close to this. So your those stakes are not there. So it's a little pet peeve. All in all, it was a good episode. So the Bad Batch arc. Um, all in all, the first arc of this last season was a solid start for the return of the Clone Wars. Um, I never watched that unfinished episode, so I didn't have that attachment to the Bad Batch as I know others did. So I didn't have that full connection with them. And like I've mentioned the first episode review, I really didn't like their introduction. I thought they, they were too extreme in their kind of specializations. And it made them look a little bit goofy for me. Having Crosshair with a crosser over his eye, um, tech kind of just being too nerdy. At least his introduction 
wreck i just lifting things around and then hunter just kind of not following anyone's instruction kind of lost me at the beginning but then episodes two and three kind of changed that for me for the most part i mean it changed for me because for the most part they started focusing mostly on tech and he was used very well uh, on the other end, I think Wrecker went from this kind of brute that was lifting cra- crushed gunships to a little bit of a cartoony version of himself. But again, with that said, this is a kid show with universal universal themes that apply to everyone. So just because I didn't connect with the character doesn't mean that he shouldn't have been there or portrayed, portrayed a different way. Uh, with this arc centering around the clones, um, I like the war aspect of Star Wars. I love Rogue One, but kind of confirms that I'm more interested in the Force and the Jedi. And the lack of it here in these first three episodes kind of made me like the arc and not really love it. So we won't have too much to wait with next episode, episode five, and a new arc starting next week with Gone Without a Trace. Uh, we haven't gotten a trailer for this yet, at least from the recording of this episode. So I'm not sure where this new arc is going to go. But yeah, that's it for the first three episodes, four episodes of The Clone Wars and The Bad Batch arc. All right, so now we're going to go and do a quick review of the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book series. So our main kind of slash topic today will be a breakdown and review of the Rise of Rise of Kylo Ren four issue comic run. And just without saying, this will be a spoiler review. So if you haven't read it or still kind of behind on a few issues, just kind of go read those first and then come back and listen to this review. Written by Charles Soule, The Rise of Kylo Ren gives us a better look at the final straw that led to the fall of Ben Solo and how Ben became master of the Knights of Ren, as Snow kind of mentions during The Force Awakens. Uh, the Rise of Kylo Ren covers different time frames of Ben's life, but it mostly takes place right after Luke's failure and fleeting moment of doubt depicted on The Last Jedi, when Luke confronts a sleeping Ben Solo which led to the destruction of Luke's Jedi school and also follows Ben in his search for the Knights of Ren. But before he leaves Luke's Jedi temple, he's confronted by three Jedi returning to the temple. Uh, One of them is Vo, who basically was jealous of Ben's ability and that she wasn't as gifted as him in the Force. We also have Hennix, a quarant Jedi, Side note, the current design for me has become one of my favorite alien designs in Star Wars. So yeah, Hennix, uh, who thought of the Force as a puzzle and was always studying it. And finally, we have Ty, who looked for connections in the Force and at one point says that him and Ben are connected. So after they show up and Ben dispatches of them fairly easy, Ben goes on to meet with Snoke, is hiding on a space station which resembles more of a kind of biodome which was originally created to contain the dark side and be an oasis for the light but Snoke shows Ben that it's not that easy and underneath all the life is death very similar to Luke telling Ray on Acto that the balance with beneath everything there's darkness and death and all that so it kind of touches on that side 
We learned that Ben had encountered the Knights of Ren before when he was younger. I'm going to say between 13 to 15 years old, the way he's drawn on the comic book. Uh, so he ran into the Knights of Ren when he, Luke, and Lois and Tekka go to Elfrona in search of Jedi artifacts. And we get our first mention of the High Republic era. As this temple they are searching for is from that time period. Uh, but the Knights of Ren, of course, are waiting for them there, which, unfortunately for them, Luke wipes the floor with them before their leader, the aptly named Ren, decides to basically lick their wounds and live with their lives. Uh, the Knights refer to the dark side as the Shadow, and not being Jedi nor Sith, they follow the teachings of the Ren. And what is the Ren? The Ren is Ren's red-blooded lightsaber. Sorry, red-bladed lightsaber. The Ren doesn't worry about the right or wrong of things. It just is and consumes what it needs without apologizing. Which is kind of cool, I guess, if you like those mysterious themes. <laughs> uh, we also learned that Snoke was already communicating with Ben Solo at this point. And... After Ben leaves Snoke's weird kind of space station in search for the Knights of Ren, he returns to Elfrona when he finds Ren's old mask. And after putting it on, he communicates with Ren, I'm guessing through the Force, who tells Ben Solo where to find them. But before he leaves, he is again confronted by Ty, Henix, and Bo, who has who have been following him. Since on his ship, there's a droid and they can just follow the droids uh, navigation and know where to find them. So here we have Ben killing Hennix and also trapping Ty and Val inside the temple, leaving there basically leaving them for dead. Then he goes on, he finds the Knights of Ren on the mid-ring planet of Varnak, and he tells them of the Jedi he has just killed and that he wants to join them. Uh, for Ren, these don't do not constitute, as he puts it, a good death, which is what you need to do if you want to join the Knights of Ren. Um, a good death is basically killing someone that you have a close connection to and doing it without remorse. Uh, since Ben didn't want to really kill Hennix or the other two Jedi, Ren didn't consider it a good death, so he wasn't going to let him join, but nevertheless, he lets, he lets Ben join them since Snoke had vouched for him, and that carried some weight. Uh, here's when Ben gets his biker outfit that we've seen in the kind of preview of the comic books, and he has kind of a... looks more like a member of the Ramones, if you ask me. For you case out there, just Google who the Ramones are, and you'll, you'll see. Uh, in the final issue, we have Ben and the Knights going to the mind moon of Minban, which we know Minban is the planet we see in the standalone solo movie when he joins the Empire. Uh, so here the Knights are trying to get their hands on something called the Mind Splinter, but before they can reach it, Ty and Bo, who ap uh, appear after having escaped from the temple in Elfrona, confronts both the Knights and Ben. After confrontation, Ben kills Ty, and then Ren tells him that Snoke... Sorry, so all this Ben and Ren gets confusing. So Ben Solo kills Ty, and when Ren, Ren tells Ben that Snoke was wrong about him and that Ben doesn't want to live in the shadow because all the Jedi that he's, 
his skill so far was he really didn't want to do it. Ben basically responds by jumping and saying that he is the shadow and attacks Ren. At that point, we get, we get a great comic book kind of splash page design with Snoke on one end talking to Ben about the Knights of Ren. Leia sensing that something is wrong with her son. Ben and Ren fighting in front of a blue lightning. Ray on the other corner, feeling cold all of a sudden on Jakku. And finally, we have the Emperor revealed while he's also talking to Ben, telling him to claim his birthright and kill Ren, which of course he does. After this, Ben solo goes and also kills Vo. And now he's killed all three Jedi's that went after him. After this, he takes over the Knights of Ren and leaves Minban without the Mind Splinter. And we don't know what the Mind Splinter is, so hopefully that comes into play later on. Uh, the comic series ends with Ben bleeding his own kyber crystal, which breaks in two once it turns red. Uh, he places both broken pieces into his lightsaber, which causes the fracture of the emitter blade, which leads him to add the cross guard to it. Uh, it also ends with someone, I'm not sure, either Snow Paul or Palpatine asking him what his name was. It's not shown, but this is where he takes up the name of Kylo Ren. Um, Kylo... That name is never mentioned in the four issues. There is a part when Snow kind of asks him what he wants his name his name to be because Ben doesn't like the name of Ben. It was as oh, everything in his life, something that was given to him, kind of from Obi-Wan Kenobi, so he didn't want that name. And Snow asks him what his name is or what he wants to be called. And he, the only thing he says is, oh, it's kind of stupid, something that I like as a kid, but it's never specifically said. So The Rise of Kylo Ren was a good series that although touches on Ben Solo's fall, it follows more of Ben's journey to locate the Knights of Ren and joining them. Uh, the Ben Solo we meet here still fits the Kylo Ren character we are introduced to in the movies. And we see that even at the beginning of his fall, he does dark side things like attacking Luke Skywalker and the three Jedi that follow him. Well, he does this out of necessity and survival, not necessarily out of pure evil or falling completely to the dark side, which is explored through all of the sequel trilogy, as he still, still feels that pull to the light. Uh, the only one he really wants to kill in all of this was Ren, and of course to show others that he can commit to the dark side, even though he might not believe it himself. Uh, it was pretty... Interesting to see the High Republic mentioned already. So we know this has been in the works for a long time. We have a High Republic holocron found in Elfrona. And then we see it with Henix in Luke's temple. And when he opens it, there's a, Jedi, a female Jedi that shows up, which is very similar looking to Avar Chris, which is one of the main Jedi from the Light of the Jedi novel, which is also written by Charles Soule. So I'm thinking this holocron and the temple in Alfrona will come into play during the High Republic. I love the design of Ben's ship, the Grim Tash. It looks like a very cool updated version of the Millennium Falcon. Um, few criticisms from this series that I've heard from a few people and you can say yes, but at the same time, we know that Star Wars is filled with unreliable narrators. So it's easy to explain either way. But through this comic series run, it seems that Ben didn't burn down the te uh, Luke's temple. He didn't kill the other students or take a handful with them. 
unless Luke was referring to Hennig's bow and tie, since he didn't know that they went after him, not that he took him with them, that they joined him. So you can say that Luke at that point is an unreliable narrator. He's kind of knocked out and he wakes up that temple is burning. Some of the other Jedi students are dead and others are missing. So I can see how he thinks that Ben did all this. But if you follow this comic, it doesn't seem like he did any of those. So that's it for The Rise of Kylo Ren. Again, it's just a four-issue comic book. I just waited for the fourth issue to come out. Kind of binge read all of them, which I think is the best way to do them. That way you kind of don't fall behind and you can follow the story pretty easily. So if you like Charles Soule's writing, uh, so I kind of would ask you guys to pick it up and give it a shot and just come to your own conclusions if you like it or not. Uh, so that does it for our show today. Not an extremely long show. Uh, next week, we'll spend a little bit more time talking about The Rise of Skywalker. I'm not sure yet if I'll do my own kind of breakdown of the movie. I know it's probably about three and a half months too late. But since we haven't really talked about episode nine on this show, we might just do a quick or a full review of the movie. Or if I'm going to just talk more about the special features and the documentary. So, yes, uh, thank you again for joining us this week. And go to Twitter at Radio Rebel Pod. Uh, join us over there. Hashtag Ask the Rebellion. As always, if you have a question or any topic you want me to discuss, tell your friends about the podcast and all the different places they can find them. Um, remember our YouTube shorts now. YouTube, your Radio Rebellion Star Wars shorts. I'm probably going to do a video review of Clone Wars Episode 4 real soon plus a video review of the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book series. So, again, stay safe. Next couple of weeks, uh, follow the news. Not too close because I know, let me rephrase that, follow the news, but I know take a break when you need to because they can be overwhelming, but mainly stay safe and follow precautions. And as always, may, may the force be with you. Radio Rebellion.